providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Well, a big development this week as CFPB releasing some guidance on MSAs. And Brian, you're back with us. Thanks for taking time out. A fresh edition of Mortgage Musings just posted as well. But we wanted to get you back on the podcast to get your reaction to this and the fact that MSAs are legal, but there's some other information you have to share. First of all, bring us up to speed on what happened here. Yeah, so uh, you know, right after we finished our last round with this uh, with this podcast, the CFPB kind of surprised the industry and came out with these uh, FAQs, marketing services agreements, and also rescinded the old October 2015 MSA memo, compliance memo that they had issued during the Richard Cordray era, which gave a lot of consternation to the industry because it really implied that there was something wrong with marketing services agreements, but was very vague about, you know, what they thought was wrong and frankly was was not very well reasoned in its legal analysis of of why they thought that was a problem. So um, we were glad to see that they have finally and formally rescinded that guidance and have come out now with something which is a very different tone towards marketing services agreements, towards MSAs, gave us a little definition of that, what that means, and then went on to say how to do it properly, which isn't to say that they're all legal, but you can do it legally. And again, it's consistent with what I said earlier, which is that you know you need to make sure that the services that are provided are actual, necessary, and distinct, and that you aren't paying more than reasonable value for those services. If that's the case, you can have a MSA with a referral source, um, although the CFPB threw into these FAQs this sort of backdoor way of coming at things which just don't look and smell right by saying it can't be really premised on on referrals, that there really can be no agreement or understanding about referrals when you're talking about a MSA, and that really just needs to be talking about marketing or advertising services. Okay. uh, Chuck Kane, SVP, National Agency Division for FNF's Family of Companies, also joining us on this conversation. And uh, Chuck, we brought you in because uh, Brian was totally on point in the last podcast, but I know this has been on your radar as well. This has been a big issue, hasn't it? It certainly has been, Brian. And uh, and in certain marketplaces, there are many marketplaces where MSAs have been common, other marketplaces where they have been non-existent. Um, But uh, I think that, uh, as Brian Levy just said, there was a real difference just in tone, if nothing else, between the 2015 bulletin and these FAQs. Because the bulletin, it almost seemed to be that they were starting with the premise that, okay, we don't like them, they're illegal. Now we're going to try to figure out why we think they are. And uh, certainly the Mortgage Bankers Association, National Association of Realtors, have been commenting for some time about that sort of uh, failure of reason and that perhaps uh, that they did not, in fact, really uh, apply RESPA as the way the statute is read and written as to uh, their bulletin. So it is, you know, these FAQs, we've got some sort of, you know, real life examples are in the FAQs. There are some things that are a little different, 
Uh, there's also some FAQs about RESPA generally, about uh, gifts and promotional materials, which, um, I, well, I should say there's a couple of them where I find the answers to be a bit strange, but, uh, but it is by and large a reiteration of what uh, has been generally perceived as uh, what would make a marketing service agreement compliant within the confines of Section 8. And likewise, uh, as to uh, gifts, promotional items, things of that nature, um, under RESPA, as to the RESPA FAQs. Now, when we spoke yesterday, Brian, when this came through, you mentioned painting with a broad brush here. Nice to have some guidance here, but is it too open-ended? I guess my thought was that the industry was operating for the last couple of years under the the ruling of the the DC circuit in in the PHH case in which the decision which was actually written by justice now supreme court justice Kavanaugh, essentially said that the exception to respa that marketing services relies on which is the hc2 exception is very clear in its application And sort of the famous quote from Kavanaugh is, nothing means nothing. And that's because HC2 says nothing shall prohibit you from being able to pay for services rendered under RESPA. So um, I've been very encouraged about the state of RESPA law after PHH in terms of how expansive that interpretation was. What I think the FAQs do is it pulls it back a little bit from where Kavanaugh's position was in terms of um, sort of this this idea that I mentioned earlier about there's an agreement or understanding about referrals that sort of underlies the whole relationship that the, the CFPB may still say, say that it's problematic. Now, the CFPB's FAQs are, don't have the force of law like a like a decision of the D.C. Circuit. So there's a question as to whether the, the CFPB's interpretation with that in that respect would be upheld. But I still think it's it's important. And, and Chuck knows this because we've we've talked about it many times um, uh, over the years that, that it's really important that you have a good narrative And by narrative, I mean that the story behind your relationship holds up and that it's not it's not really some kind of disguised referral relationship, but is really a marketing relationship or a a sponsorship of some kind of advertising. So it's something that's not just a means to pay for referrals, but is truly you're buying services or paying an employee a, a salary or whatever it is that that you're actually doing that holds up the narrative. Now, what's to prevent any real estate agent, broker, or otherwise from doing this, whether they do one deal or a hundred deals with a mortgage broker or mortgage professional? Does that enter in here? There is an example that's used in the um, in the FAQs that talks about a lender and a real estate agent doing a MSA together and then points out how they could do it wrong. And the real problem is where the rubber meets the road in in trying to drill down to sort of an individual uh, relationship. The CFPB sort of takes issue with the idea that you can market to a single consumer. And this was actually stated a while back in a letter in about 2010 involving home warranty sales. But 
essentially the idea is that you really can't pay, or at least what CFPB is saying is that you really can't pay somebody to market to one person. So like a real estate agent marketing to their particular customer and that really marketing needs to be to a broader audience. Likewise, when you're talking about the reasonable value of the services, one real estate agent doesn't really have that many eyeballs that they can generate, marketing impressions that they can generate, um, whereas a real estate broker or maybe even a, a, a large real estate team can reach a wider audience and that's then worth more. I mean, it's really, again, it's not based on the referrals, it's based on what the audience that you can reach is. Okay, thanks for the clarity there. And Chuck, I know when we spoke yesterday, uh, you had several things top of mind here that you wanted to share, and that's why I brought you back into this conversation. Uh, what's top of mind for you? Well, I think just as Brian just said, the uh, example that's in the FAQs, which actually show, shows an example of a non-compliant behavior, but it talks about doing an MSA with a real estate agent as versus with a broker. And that's a real difference. We certainly have never seen that sort of comment, either officially or unofficially, from the Bureau about doing with an agent. And, and the general consensus, just as Brian points out, you're, you're looking at marketing services. There has to be a certain value as to those marketing services. Well, if a real estate broker has um, 5,000 independent uh, hits on their website in the course of a month, there's a valuation that can be determined from that. If it's a real estate agent who has 30, there's a valuation there and it's not very much. And so I think that, um, you know, that, that's one area uh, where uh, I believe that uh, whether you're a title agent or a mortgage lender or whoever you may, you, you are, who are looking to do an MSA, particularly with a real estate company, that, uh, you know, is it the broker? Is it a team? of agents, uh, as Brian discussed. I mean, we have seen uh, a steady growth of these large teams of highly productive agents within brokerages that have their own websites, mm -hmm. that have their own marketing, uh, tied perhaps to the real estate brokerage, but by and large, it's their own. And then you've got individual real estate agents. I think, you know, the implication that you can do one of these with an individual real estate agent you know, in a vacuum is probably accurate, but um, if it's going to be, you know, you're paying 50 cents a month because that's the fair market value, then it, it really doesn't exist in the bright light of day. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess, you know, for the lenders out there, and that's my background, where I'm coming from is, you know, I want to parse this and say, okay, I just want to make sure that, you know, we don't have he or she, the agent who does one or two deals a year saying, let's do an MSA together and, you know, expecting to enter into something like that. That's not even on the table. Well, no, I mean, I think, you know, it's just, it's just a practical problem. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the great concern that I think regulators have, and certainly anybody who's in the industry who has to compete and wants to compete in a level playing field is, you know, will the guy down the street take this information and say, okay, you know, you know, Jane Doe or John Smith, real estate agent, I'll do an MSA with you. I'll pay you um, $150 a month to have something on your website, not spend the money to get some third party valuation because that would be difficult. It'd be probably more expensive to get the valuation than what you would pay for the MSA. But, you know, will people do this? Will they uh, so bend these rules 
and break these rules. And, and then once that happens, where do you go? The Bureau in the recent years has focused on uh, consumer complaints. And in the Cordray directorship, uh, inter-industry complaints were very common. Uh, and commonly acted on. Not so much uh, acting director Mulvaney and then director Kraninger. It's like, no, we're the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. We're reacting to consumer issues. Well, most consumers aren't going to know that there has been a marketing service agreement between their real estate agent and the title company that the, that the real estate agent may have referred them to or they may have selected. Um, disclosure of that certainly is something that uh, I think needs to be done, that there is that um, relationship. And uh, uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's going to be, you know, sort of the troubling point of this. And, and we have, you know, a uh, combined lawsuit out of the uh, Fourth Circuit that says that uh, the limitation of actions under RESPA, yeah, it's three years. It's three years from the date of discovery, not necessarily the date of the event, presuming that there has been some breach in the uh, tolling doctrine such that the parties have deliberately kept it concealed and a consumer would not be able, using reasonable diligence, find out that there is this relationship. Well, you put those two things together, there's no disclosure about the MSA and Everybody's just mum about it between, uh, you know, say the real estate agent and uh, the settlement service provider. Um, and again, how is a consumer going to find out about it? Does that then extend the statute of limitations on recovery? I don't know. And maybe it only does it in the Fourth Circuit. We've had those types of parades before. Um, but uh, it's certainly something to, uh, to think about. Uh, and again, you know, we may have a whole sea change here in uh, the first quarter as far as the administration of the Bureau, depending uh, if Vice President Biden is elected. And even if President Trump is returned, he may replace Kathy Kraninger. He has a pretty good record of changing people. So you know, we may have a real different mood at the Bureau um, as to how this all works. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of things to consider. When you look at these FAQs, and if you just sort of read them, uh, you know, by themselves, that uh, you may end up perhaps with a wrong conclusion unless you fall back, as Brian said, to what are the standard requirements? What do you have to do so that you're not uh, violating Section 8? You know, I want to talk about something Chuck mentioned right at the beginning of his last comment, um, which actually wasn't addressed in the FAQ, and it's sort of where... Chuck kind of finished as well, is where are we on some of the things that were not addressed? And one of which is co-marketing, which happens all the time, where a realtor and a lender or a realtor and a title company or a realtor may have their own web page or they may have a special kind of uh, distribution. There's all kinds of co-marketing going on out there. And it's surprising that this wasn't even mentioned, but in some respects, it's really just another kind of MSA, just maybe more limited in, in terms of its scope. So the analysis, I think, is the same. Again, you're only going to pay for the reasonable value of whatever that marketing opportunity is, and you aren't going to pay for a marketing opportunity that you don't actually get. So I think 
it's kind of unfortunate that they put out these FAQs and just kind of ignored maybe, you know, one of the most common things that's going on, whether that's Zillow or Boomtown or whatever it is. But I think the analysis is probably the same. Gentlemen, thanks to both of you for joining us. Most welcome. Oh, it was a true pleasure again. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.